Uh, we love young people. Way to go. Exciting days ahead. Well, good morning. It is great to see you on a on a beautiful day. Last night, got home from church and uh, Bonnie and I were sitting there and it was getting dark and and uh, all of a sudden this big lightning bolt out the window. Did any of you see the lightning last night? It was amazing. And I love lightning and thunder and Bonnie hates it. And so she's like, let's go upstairs and close the blinds. <laughs> I said, okay. So anyway, I'm so glad you're here and we didn't get much rain out of it, but hey, it's always fun in Colorado. You never know what's next, do you? So fun. Thanks for being here, Timberline. Um, we are planting a church, a uh, multi-site venue in Windsor. If you didn't know, we've been talking about that for a few weeks. I'll be talking a little bit more about it later in the message. But um, I just want to show you a quick interview with a, a lady in our church named Erin Eskew. Many of you know Brent and Erin, a big part of Timberline. And Erin uh, is actually uh, one of our deacons on our deacon team. And I just want you to listen to a concept that she does a good job explaining. We've been involved in the Windsor community since about 1999-2000 in some way or the other. But now we live here, we go to school here, my kids go to school here, I get groceries, gas, go to the bank. But when it comes to church, every Wednesday and Saturday we hop in the car and we drive for 25 minutes to Timberline, which is fine. It's not a big deal for us because that's our home church. But for our neighbors and our friends and for my girls' friends, it is a different perspective. And I get that. Life is busy. They're busy with kids and work and family. And sometimes the more that you can simplify your life, the better it is. I was talking to a friend of mine in Greeley a couple months ago, and she said, Hey, we're thinking about going to a, a church. Which one do you guys go to? And I said, Oh, we go to Timberline in Fort Collins. And she hesitated for a moment. She said, yeah, I've really wanted to try it. But she said, I just don't think I'd be very consistent with the drive to Fort Collins. And I understand that. I mean, I can't argue with that. So I think that is the thing that we are most excited about, about having a place in Windsor that we can invite people to. And it's not a drive to Fort Collins. I love that logo right there, you guys. Going is our theme. And the roots coming up out of the ground moving over to the side and coming up green somewhere else. And that's by design because we really believe that this campus and this church in Fort Collins is, is growing roots through other communities. For this next decade, we really believe God's asked us to take some steps of faith and to plant some multi-site venues all across northern Colorado. So keep praying about it. Some of you have filled out your faith promise cards and you're giving toward it. And uh, it's, it's, it's an exciting time. So we'll talk about that more a little bit. But today I want to talk to you. We're continuing our series in Nehemiah. I hope you're reading through Nehemiah as we're going through it. It's a great book. He's a, he's a great leader. He has a few challenges. Um, he has a few distractions. Now, distractions are real. I've called this message uh, Overcoming Distractions. On the back of your bulletin, you can follow along if you want to take notes today. There are always distractions that come into our life. It might just be that you have to work and it's really a sunny day outside. And you look out the window. Anybody ever have that? And it's just a distraction all day because you want to be out there. Or it might be, I know I went to Central Bible College, which is in Springfield, Missouri. I've never really grown up or been around the south, even farther south than that. But I know in Missouri, they have gnats and mosquitoes and bugs and critters that disguise themselves. They're really birds. I mean, they're huge. 
And we have our share of a few things out here in Colorado, but how many of you know what I'm talking about in the south? I mean, it's just noisy outside. And if you don't have a, a net or a screened-in porch, you're not going to be outside because it's going to be like this the whole time and, and, and waving those bugs off. And I feel like sometimes in life, when we try to do things that God has asked us to do, it's like these bugs and gnats and distractions and decisions and issues and culture and cell phones and Facebook and all these stuff start just clawing at us. And, and, and it's a distraction and we end up sometimes not doing the very things God is asking us to do. And so today I think it'd be good for us to see how did Nehemiah handle some really serious distractions. I mean, they came after the guy. And they hit him hard, and they did everything that they could to hurt him. Um, number one in your notes is this. There is always something else to do. You know, no matter how busy you are, there's always more to do. And, and this world pulls us in so many different places. Multitasking is the norm, and it's just become a part of our culture. That there's always something else to do. In Nehemiah chapter 6, and we're going to look at a few passages in, in the 6th chapter and in the 4th chapter. But let's start with Nehemiah 6. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, Geshem, the Arab, and by the way, these are some really mean guys. And the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained. Though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So Sanballat and Geshep sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Anno. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work. I just stop right there. Just say that with me. I am engaged in a great work. I love that phrase. And I love the fact that Nehemiah knows that he is engaged in a great work. So I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? They were pulling at him. There was some other meeting that he was supposed to go to. And Nehemiah knows he's involved in a great work. I just want to tell you something today. In both of these auditoriums today, you are involved in a great work. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And when you build anything that has to do with the kingdom of God, you are involved in a great work. It is significant. And, and I think uh, we need to understand the power of that and the, have the knowledge of that. How many of you always have something else you need to be doing? How many of you still need to pay your taxes before April 15th? <laughs> okay, if you hey, let's get together and have tax day on Friday. We can just spread everything out and uh, get it ready to go. It is. It's always a challenge. But if you're like me, sometimes I need a deadline to, to have it as a priority. And I have a lot of deadlines in my life with outlines, dues, sermons, teaching, notes, all that stuff. And, and so I always start my day by looking at the calendar and saying, well, what are the deadlines? What are the things that I, that I must do? And if I'm not careful... I can neglect the things that are the great things to do, prayer and study and, and the things in my connection with God and building relationship with my family because that, that idea of deadline draws and there's something else to do. Any married people in the, in the room today? Um, that is a great work. I don't, I don't mean it's just a lot of work. I mean, it is a... <laughs> that's bad. It is a lot of work. How many of you know that? But, but it's a great work. 
And, and it is of God. If you're raising kids, you might not identify getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning and loving that child as greatness. But that is a great work. Investing in your family. Uh, raising kids, living single and being faithful to God and putting Him first and bringing your friends with you to kingdom stuff. That is a great work. And sometimes all the stuff that puts demands on us keep us from doing the great things that God wants us to do. So we've got to set our priorities right. Nehemiah did that. He's teaching us that right now. Number two in your outline. Someone wants your attention. Someone wants your attention. And sometimes it's different people. A lot of times it's the same group of people. But Nehemiah was in demand, and it was mostly his enemies that were trying to take him out. In verse 4 it says this, Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave him the same reply. The fifth time, Sanballat's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. And this is awful, you guys. It's terrible what they did to Nehemiah. This is, there is a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it's true, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you're building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you, look, there is a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. So I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. I replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. You are making the whole thing up. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. I love this text line. So I continued the work with even greater determination. It's almost almost like there was a moment in Nehemiah when he says, okay, these guys are playing for real. They want to take me out. They're going to tell lies about me. Um, they're going to say horrible things and start rumors. All I can do is work on this wall, and I'm not going to give in. See, Sanballat knew, Tobiah knew, that this would cut Nehemiah to the core. You know why? People with character and integrity don't do well with rumors about them that are not true. Because they know the truth in their own lives. And I've just put a few things... Um, I think five things in your notes that just says distractions come in many shapes and sizes. And I want to take what I just read and break it down a little bit. And I want to talk to you about how do you have courage when when it's not always easy. Um, number one is it's a distraction sometimes when you are always needed. Nehemiah was the leader and so everyone needed a piece of him. How many of you oversee people? You, you uh, have either employees, you own a business, or you're a manager, you oversee people in your work? Just wait you. Okay, a lot of you do. See, you know what I'm talking about when, when you get that text or that your phone buzzes and it's like, we need you here now, or we've got to make a decision, and, and it pulls you. And sometimes what you start out as a priority for your day doesn't happen because you're running around trying to make sure all these things get taken care of. Nehemiah had a lot of people who needed him. And it's often difficult for us to do the great things, the best things, because of the demands of that moment and that need. The second thing here is uh, you need to deal with rumors. You know, if you're a leader of anything, which you are, all of us lead something, um, you're going to deal with rumors. They launched a rumor campaign about Nehemiah, tried to scare him. Uh, I hate rumors, you know, um, 
have you ever had something said about you that was just absolutely not true? And, and you, you just want to fix it and you don't know how to fix it because we're in a we're in a really weird world right now where people through technology can say things and it goes out and you can't control it and you can't stop it. And it's like a virus and you just, you know, you just don't even know what to do. And then you start replaying conversations about what you would say or what you wish you would say or what you would do to them if you had them in a room. You know what I'm saying? And how, how many of you have a have a mind like this where something is said and you for the whole rest of the day, you have these conversations going on in your brain and you have your part and then you have their part and then you have your part and you have their part. And you know what they would say? and You know what you would say? And you're eating lunch and you're eating your burger going. <laughs> you pull up next to someone who's driving. You can see it sometimes in them and they're driving, just talking. There's no one else in the car. It's just, it's just them and this, this, this tape that's going in their mind. That's what distractions do. And it keeps you from greatness. It keeps you from focusing on doing the things you can control. How do we deal with things that are said about us that are not true? I've put a, little, a few things down in my life. First of all, one of the first things I do is I say to God, thank you, God, that that is not true. There's something really comforting about just you and God knowing the truth. Because I've got news for you. You're going to stand before one judge at the end of your life. And, and God's going to have the final say. And I take great comfort in that. Another thing I do sometimes is I say, I want to be thankful that I'm not the one lying about someone else. Because it's easy to fall into the trap of just firing back. But when you stop and you say, God, how can I honor you in this? This is horrible what's been said, but I'm going to honor you. You thank you that I'm not the one saying these terrible things. Another thing that you've got to do is live in the freedom that you know the truth puts you in. You've got to live in that. You guys, I learned as a pastor years ago. I really believe God put this in my heart right when I came to this church pastoring. We, we were going through changes. This church was growing and growing pains are not easy. And everyone gets, you know, has issues and you you miss certain things that you used to have and I get that I'm in the same boat and I had a really a few tough conversations and a few tough meetings through those those years and and I I was just kind of discouraged about it and I was praying and and I felt like God dropped a little nugget in my heart that I want to share with you today that I want to say to some of you that this might help you when you walk into a room assume that everybody likes you now, you may know they don't, <laughs> but it changes you when you have a mental capacity that says, everybody in here is for me. Everybody in here likes me. And unless they personally tell me otherwise, that's how I'm going to live. And it will open you up to a freedom in your spirit. And it will keep you from running and hiding to a corner when you can just assume they like you. And, and God helps us in our attitudes, in our spirit, because you lead better. When you have that, not that heaviness on your life of the criticism that comes into your life. And so these are some of the things that we have to do in our lives. The third thing here is accusations. Um, they said of Nehemiah, you just want control and power. We know you're plotting to be the king. And, and that's all you're interested in. They totally misread his motive. You guys, he had a mandate from God to build this wall. But that's not what they saw. They judged him improperly. If you've ever been falsely accused of something, you know uh, it's hurtful. 
They, they were just trying to say all he was after was power. Any of you who lead anything are going to be accused at some point of just wanting more. Um, and it's not going to be fun. Sam Ballad and Tobiah hated the fact that they could not distract Nehemiah. So they just kept turning it up. Well, we'll say more. We'll say more. And Nehemiah just kept saying, I'm doing what God wants me to do. Have that kind of fortitude in your life. Just make up your mind. You are going to do what God puts in your hearts to do. Well, it gets worse. The fourth thing here is emotional abuse. They really did abuse Nehemiah emotionally. Threats and intimidation. They were coming after him. Most people believe they really wanted to kill him. I go back to uh, chapter 4, verse 1, and it says this, Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samaritan army officers, um, or Samarian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they are doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was standing beside them, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Man, they are going after it. I mean, you live under that kind of criticism, and all of a sudden people are saying this, and poor Nehemiah, they're just mocking his vision and his work. And, you know, he might have said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Say it with me. Sticks and stones. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. If you learned that as a kid, you probably also learned that it really isn't true. Right? Words hurt us. Words matter. And, and they get inside of us and they change our behavior. I remember in fourth grade, man, I was so intimidated. I had someone tell me, at the end of today, when you're walking home, I'm going to beat you up. And she was bigger than me. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I was a, you think I'm joking, I'm not. She, she was a, a, a fighter, and she was mean, she was known. And I, I grew up that you can't hit a girl. And it really put me in a bind. And uh, so I just decided she wasn't a girl, she was an animal, and I could go after her. <laughs> but God protected me from the evil one, and I am here today as a testimony of His grace. Um, but we're wounded. We're wounded when people say mean things about us. Where it, it impacts us. It changes us. And, 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 and we, we, it goes into our mind. It takes away our confidence. I, I can remember turning in a piece of artwork in high school that, that uh, I thought was great. I worked really hard on it. And have it just all scribbled up. And this is out of proportion. And you need to change this. And it's, it's like, or a college paper. How many of you know it comes back bleeding red? And you just thought it was so good. And then you start saying things like they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know good stuff when they see it. Some of you students really understand what, what I'm talking about here. We're, you guys, our world, it's, it's a scary thing because people can just go on and blog whatever they want and yelp whatever they want and talk and say mean things and write on your wall. And, and boom, before you know it, you're just in the shell afraid to try anything. Because listen, people criticize people who get stuff done. And don't shrink back from the vision God has given you because a few people don't like you for it or they criticize you for it. Nehemiah said, this is a great work and it must be done. And I'm going to finish the stuff God calls me to finish. 
And he gave his heart to that. He gave his life to that. I, I have one other thought before we, we move on. You just What makes people turn into Tobiah and, and Geshem and Sanballat? You ever thought of that? Because I'm sure none of them are here. Right? What, do you have a little Tobiah in you? A little Geshem? I wonder sometimes, you know, what do you write on someone? How do you respond to someone who takes a bite out of you? Um, it's easy to just jump back at them. And, and we have to be really careful. I think selfishness is a huge thing here. Self-centeredness. Um, I think it can be a history of getting their way through manipulation. Um, you know, you, you, you ever watch uh, kids with their parents? I'm enjoying this now because my kids are raised, so I might write a book now. Uh, <laughs> And the kids are running all over the place, jumping on the couch or whatever. And parent says, stop that. And they look at him. And parent turns around, jumping again. And, and they learn. And those kids learn through manipulation that they can have their way. And how does that impact us as adults, you know? They don't want other people to succeed because sometimes they've experienced a very little success. They don't want you to have a great family because they don't. It goes on and on as to the reasons. And I don't understand it all. I just know that we are called... To not be the Tobias in the world. You guys, let's just make a vow before God today that we will be the people of God. And though there are times when we need to correct things, confront people, I get that. Let's have a spirit of godliness in doing that. And let's do it in kindness and grace. And let's offer our lives to help people walk through that journey instead of overreacting. Um, and let's not be people who, when someone launches an attack at us, that we all of a sudden overreact. They wanted Nehemiah to overreact and do the very things that he said he wouldn't do. The last one, there are five in this little section, is Nehemiah became more determined than ever. And boy, did he ever. In verse 14 of Nehemiah 4, it says, Then I, as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. How powerful is that? And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. That's the greatness. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half of my men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers, get this, carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. You see this picture? Half the men are saying, we're here to guard. And I think that's what we have to do for each other. And, and, and then even the workers on the wall, there's one tool and there's one sword. And if we can get it in our head that that's how we need to walk through life, recognizing we do have an enemy and he wants to destroy us. He doesn't want the work of God to continue. And so we are ready to defend the work of God, but we are also not going to come off of the wall in order to just deal with all that mess. We're going to keep a tool in our hand. We're going to keep working. We're going to keep pressing. We're going to keep the priorities of the kingdom in our lives. What a great picture. Um, I think of this as we go to Windsor because it's not going to be easy and it's a challenge. And there's a few good news things here, I, I hope. Well, let's watch what Pastor Reza says, because he's going to talk to us a little bit about our history and the power of our journey so far. So listen up. I think you'll enjoy him. He's the campus pastor. Courageous pioneers had a vision to let love live in the city of Fort Collins. First Assembly of God in Fort Collins was established. 
And over the last hundred years or so, God has developed this place that we call home, Timberline Church. I'm sitting right now in the South Auditorium of Timberline Church. In 2006, there was a vision that was brought to the church to establish a venue on the side of our current facility that would house a video venue that we would utilize on weekends, but also for ministry throughout the course of the week. And for the last three years, we have watched God use this room. We've watched him use the technology and the training that people have received in this room on the weekends and throughout the course of the week to train, equip, and minister to people and to send them out into the city of Fort Collins in the region of northern Colorado. Well, now we're going. We are going to regions beyond Fort Collins that we believe that God has led us to a strategic facility in Windsor, Colorado. Windsor is a fantastic town. It's a little town in between Greeley, Fort Collins, and Loveland. As you drive along the town, you'll see lemonade stands and kids playing in fields and in parks. And it has actually become a community that has drawn people from all over the country and literally all over the world. On May 22, 2008, the life of this tiny community in northern Colorado was drastically impacted by a tornado. And this tornado has become known as the largest natural disaster in the state of Colorado. That for the days, weeks, and months following the tornado, you saw strangers come together with gloves and rakes and trash bags. And they came together, people whose houses weren't even impacted by the tornado. They came to those in need. And they came and they cleaned up and they moved and they did whatever was needed so that those who were affected could be helped. I think that shows the great heartbeat of this wonderful town that we call Windsor. As we've talked here at Timberline, our hope throughout this campaign is to establish a vision of people going to where others are. Imagine what would happen if every person in northern Colorado knew at least one person who passionately followed Jesus. If we could go out and befriend a world and befriend others who don't know Jesus, and if everyone in northern Colorado knew at least one person who followed Jesus, I believe that we would continue the let love live philosophy that our church ancestors, our courageous ancestors established. And I believe this with all of my heart, that this is our junction moment, Timberline. I believe this is a moment where God is asking us to rise up, to be a part of his work, to come alongside of what he is doing as we continue to discover who he is for us. Amen to that. I know you're excited about Windsor. I had someone the other day say, hey, I, you know, I'm excited for this. I'm going to support it, but I don't live in Windsor. I never go to Windsor. And so it's a little, you know, tougher for me because I don't. And I said, well, you know, what? do you live in Haiti? But I know they had given strongly to Haiti and the issues there and the needs there. And it's not about where we live. It's about reaching people where they are. And so over this next decade, you're going to hear us talking about planning these venues in a variety of cities. And and we need your help. We need your prayers. We need you to say, God, how can I be involved? So let me give you a couple updates. First of all, so far in the last two weekends, we have received faith promises in cash of $545,000. So we thank God for that. Amen. Thank you, Lord. That's good news. And on Friday, our goal is 1.8 million to 2 million. So we're a little over a fourth of the way there. Um, we want to pay cash for this over, over a two year period as these faith promises come in because it's, we don't want to have long term debt on this. And we're going to try to do all these venues, uh, on a cash 
deal as God helps us. Um, we also, on Friday, the building that we showed you and talked about, we closed on that building Friday, so it is legally, technically uh, owned by Timberline Church. And I'm thankful for that, too. Yeah, get that done. So, so now we just need to pay for it. <laughs> so God's going to help us. I know it. If you haven't turned in a faith promise card, I know if you're a guest, this isn't really for you, but you need to hear about our vision. And I don't shrink back for a second to say, please sacrifice to do something great in the kingdom of God. Greatness is raising your family. It's pouring into people. But it's also corporately doing something bigger than yourself. And I just want to say, I, 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 I know uh, God dropped it in my heart to just challenge our church with this. If we have a thousand families that give $50 a month over 24 months, that's $1.2 million. And, I, and it'll be done because I believe the cash that's coming in and the people who will get Bonnie and I are giving substantially more than that a month because our kids are grown and we can. And I'm thankful. Some of you don't even have a job right now. You can't even consider filling one of these out. I get it. But if you would honestly pray with me about saying we'll be one of those families and uh, we have next weekend, Palm Sunday, we're going to make the announcement on Easter. I'm just prayerful that we will be really close uh, to our goal. So keep that in your prayers. Uh, and if you're already giving and you're already writing checks, make sure and write Windsor on the memo line. You can make a check to Timberline Church, but we need to have it earmarked Windsor. And this is above your regular giving, you guys. Thank you. It's a big vision. It's it's a challenging vision, but it's one we can do with the help and the grace of God. Okay, last couple points. Follow along. Number three, talking with critics may only make it worse. Now, the minute I say that, I need to tell you something. I believe with all of my heart that we should meet one-on-one -on -one with critics who are willing to meet with us. If we can learn, if we can grow, I think Nehemiah knew there was no chance with these. They just wanted to destroy him personally and physically. But Matthew 18, 15 through 18 teaches us to sit down with someone if we have something against them, to, to clarify. And that's the pattern that we should use. But sometimes it's not helpful when people will absolutely never change. And when people absolutely just want to harm you or your testimony in the world. I am so thankful that as we launch these vision, this vision, I know not everyone's going to like it. I know there's going to be criticism that comes. As a matter of fact, I remember when we were building the South Auditorium. This is a good example that just fits perfectly here. Uh, our newspaper, the Colorado, and I don't have an angst against the Colorado at all um, about this, but one, their, one of their reporters went to a couple other churches when it was released. They were doing a story on our expansion, the South Auditorium and all of that. And one of the reporters asked the question to another pastor in town, John Meyer, from Summit View, a great church in our, in our community. And they said to John Meyer, um, does it strike you as odd that a church already so big is building another building? And how does that impact you and how you feel about it? You know what? He could have easily kind of taken a shot and said, yeah, it's a little odd. And, you know, but he didn't. He said, I love what he said. He said, well, first of all, we love Timberline. They're making a difference in our community. And then he said, as a matter of fact, I wish we in our church used our facility as much as they do. He said, I don't know of another church in northern Colorado that utilizes their facility as much as Timberline Church does. And I pray they'll keep building. And I just was, I called him right away and I said, John, thank you, dude. You, you helped me so much and you helped us with the vision. Because we do, we have over 250 activities a week in this building. That's why we built it, amen? We love that. The symphony played here last night. And it's exciting to partner with our community in these ways. But not everybody's going to be happy. I get that. 
But let's be people who will say, we're going to do this not for us. You guys, bigger isn't better. More isn't better. That's not our heart. But I know this. There are people who will come to Christ because we sacrificed and made it happen. And that's true of this facility. It's true of the South Auditorium. And every time we step out, God helps us do it. The last thing, keep on building. Number four in your outline, keep on building. Chapter 6, verse 15. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished. Just 52 days after we had begun, when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. How powerful is that, that we can be the people of God who live this dream? Let's pray together. Would you join me? Wow. Lord, we're going to keep on. We're not going to cave in because of some words. We're going to trust you today. We're going to open our hearts to who you are. God, thank you for people who care about the right things. I just pray your blessing, your heart to be strong in us. With heads bowed, I just feel it's important to personalize this message today. Some of you are distracted from the dreams God has called you to. It could be financial distractions, relationships. It might be your marriage. It could be kids or parents. There's so many issues that can keep pawing at you. And it just seems like right now you need... I just want to pray over those of you in these auditoriums who would say, I am, I'm living pretty distracted and I can't get focused on the things that I know God would want me to focus on. And there are probably good reasons. So don't feel bad raising your hands. I've been there. I'm there all the time. I fight this battle. And so let us pray over you today if that's you. Hold your hand up if you know you're just distracted by something. Lord, we just come to you with a, a faith in you, with an understanding that you are a God who knows our reality day to day. And the grind that we're in is so real. And so we just ask you to show us the way forward today. To help us to be strong in you and to never give up. God, I just pray for peace in our hearts. I pray that we will be people who can, can refocus. And that we can look at that distraction and we can deal with it the best we can. But that it will not take away our drive to do the great things that you're calling us to do. And if this distraction... If as we fight this, as we go for that, maybe that's one of the great things you want us to conquer. Help us and lead us. Secondly, I want to pray for those of you who you really have maybe not really seen the great things. Maybe it's annoying to you right now as a parent or a wife or a husband or the job you work at. And, and you haven't viewed it as, wow, this could be a huge priority in my life that I need to view as something that's hard to do, but... I need to give it my all. And I'm not going to shrink back because it's difficult or challenging right now. But God can give you the strength to, to own it and to really go forward. I just want to pray over some of you who would say, I want to do the dream of God that He's put me before me and not shrink back from the great things that I know He's calling me to. Hold your hand up if that's you. God, thank you for people who are dreaming your dream and who are, are serious about it and open about it. I just pray over them. And we pray for our brothers and sisters, God, that on the day-to-day -day grind stuff, we'll get it right. We'll get it right. And Lord, finally, for those in these auditoriums that might not know you at all, they've walked in here today without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. God, that's why we are here. Help them to know we love them. We care about their journey. We know there's hidden pain in their life. But you know it better than us. 
and they are here for a reason today. And show them your love. If that's you today and you want to accept Christ personally into your life, pray this prayer with me right now. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I know I'm separated from you. But by faith I come to you. And I say this prayer meaning it. I need you in my life. I believe you died on the cross taking my place for my sin and rose from the dead. I will choose to forgive myself now by faith and I will walk with you for the rest of my life. Help me, Lord. Give me discernment and wisdom that I can do this in a way that honors you. Lord, finally, we just pray for Windsor. We pray for this campus, this facility, as we begin the work. Lord, I know so many have signed up, so many have already given, but I know you're laying it on our hearts to be able to sacrifice for a cause that's bigger than any, any one of us. So corporately, help us to be able to have a sword in one hand and a tool in the other to be the people of God, to make this work possible. Thank you for these people, God. Anoint them, bless them. I thank you. I thank you for being a part of great things in building the kingdom of God. We're humbled by it, Lord. We really are. In your name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for being faithful and loving and kind. And Our ushers are going to come now. This offering is our tithing offering. It's our regular giving. If you want to fill out a faith promise card, please do that. Drop it in as well. Give us a record so we'll know where we are in the planning. And uh, if you're a guest with us, we have no expectation that you'll give in this offering or faith promise. Obviously, be our guest. This would be the time to drop that communication card in as it goes by. We really appreciate it. And hey, as we as we begin to worship and wrap up in these next couple minutes, can I just ask a favor? Uh, instead of walking out during that last worship song, I know you want to get out there and get started and get going, but could you help us by just giving your worship to God and having that discipline in that moment not to not to leave? And, and then we'll have a prayer of dismissal. Unless you have to get to work or something, then I get that. But, but let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give. Thank you for the opportunity now to uh, be your kids and to do the stuff you want us to do for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, thank you for worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Bonnie and I would love to have some of you in Summit tonight who have never been. It's going to be cloudy and rainy anyway tonight. You're not going to be able to cook out. So just come and join us about a quarter to five. We'll put a notebook in your hand and we'll have a great time together. Summit's two and three as well. Also, go by the tables in the mall. Our prayer team is coming right now. Some of you might just want to come up here and have someone join with you and and have a prayer. Lord, before we walk out of here, we say thank you for your hand upon us. Help us to be ambassadors of truth this week. Help us, Lord, to be sensitive to needs around us as we let love live. In your mighty name we pray it. And everyone said, Amen. The service begins now. God bless you. Have a great week.